Speaking in tongues, what is it? Is it biblical? Is it something that we should be doing today? Yes, but maybe not in the way that you think. Welcome back to Spare No Arrows. My name is Cody, and we're going to be talking about speaking in tongues. In the name of Jesus. And approach it biblically. See what the Bible says about it and see you know what we can glean from that today. Over the past few weeks, some fascinating things have been happening around the country, like the Asbury Revival, which I'm sure everybody has heard of, along with other apparent supposed revivals that are... Um, happening in other cities across America. Now, an interesting observation about the Asbury Revival is it it supposedly was still going strong and then the university decided to shut it down because, of course, they got to get back to classes. Now, if the spirit was really moving and if they really canceled classes in the first place because, you know, that God's spirit was moving in a very special way, then, you know, why shut it down? That's kind of funky. Just let let God, I mean, isn't God working more important than your theology 101 class? Nah, maybe not. So anyway, uh, another observation is, uh, you know, at the same time as all this is happening, the Jesus Revolution movie came out, which is, uh, you know, it's very big. Uh, it centers kind of on this. This um, charismatic movement um, in the, I guess, what, the 70s, 80s, 70s, maybe something like that. Uh, I know the the gist of the movie. I've seen the trailer. Haven't seen the movie, but, you know, if enough people want me to watch it and comment on it, maybe I will. Although I really have no interest in it, personally. Uh, you know, all, all this stuff, it could be good and it could be bad. Or rather, let me rephrase. I think there is a lot of good in a lot of this stuff and there's a lot of bad in a lot of this stuff too and so I think we need to approach these things the quote-unquote revivals um, the Jesus Revolution movie with discernment like we approach everything else and how do we appropriately approach these things with discernment we approach them through scripture and so that is what I want to do with the idea of speaking in tongues speaking in tongues is it biblical uh, well it's in the Bible and it's primarily a thing that charismatics um, use in their practice and faith, although I suppose other people can do it too. Uh, but typically, what speaking in tongues, what people think speaking in tongues looks like today is, let me say this with grace, speaking an unknown language that we don't personally understand, but God understands. Here it is. Oh, that's real. This is real. This is real. This is real. And the purpose of speaking in tongues is the building up of your spirit and a more uh, intimate communication with God. That's basically what speaking in tongues is. And so I want to approach that biblically and see what the Bible really has to say about it. Is that a biblical thing? Um, should we be doing doing whatever the Bible says speaking in tongues is today? And I think we should. I think speaking in tongues is biblical, but I think it's not exactly what we think it is. 
And so I'm going to get into that. But first, I got a, a fascinating Instagram message from somebody. I, I made what I thought was a pretty innocuous post about um, kind of not not focusing on a lot of the outside trendy Christian things to to kind of base your faith around. Like, don't lift up Asbury as some kind of symbol of what true faithful Christianity ought to look like. But keep your head down, focus on your work, and focus on your faithfulness, your family's faithfulness, your church's faithfulness, your community's faithfulness first before chasing around whatever trendy thing is happening. And, you know, I I had started dialogue with other people and other people were making posts and I was commenting and um, the the idea of tongues was brought up and somebody comment or uh, sent me a, a private message on Instagram just with a big long list of Bible verses that essentially just have the word tongue in them. It didn't seem like it was very thought out whatsoever, but this person very much had a specific belief about speaking in tongues and they were entirely uninterested in hearing any other perspective. And so I asked the guy one question. He was trying to convince me that speaking in tongues was a certain thing. And the one question I asked him was this. Have you ever spoken in tongues in public without an interpreter? And he said, well, yeah, I do it all the time. I do it every week, in fact, because speaking in tongues is a communication between me and God. I don't need an interpreter to talk to God. Well, actually, the Bible says otherwise. Um, it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 27 through 28, check this out. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three and each in turn and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of him keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. So what Paul says is keep silent. If anybody speaks in a tongue at all, now we'll talk about what a tongue is actually biblically in a, in a moment, but let's just say that he's correct and what he thinks speaking in tongues is, is, is the right interpretation of it. He's still doing it wrong. If, like, let's just say your church practices speaking in tongues. If you even once don't have an interpreter, if somebody speaks in tongues, even if it's somebody praying to God privately, Paul says, don't do that. He says, be silent. So why do we disobey that? Now, here's what this guy's response to me was. He was like, well, do you believe that women should keep silent in church? Because that's what the Bible says. So here's here was his strategy. It was a very odd, interesting strategy. He approached me, giving me all these Bible verses, and tried to develop a biblical argument as to why speaking in tongues was what he thinks it is. And then when I approach him with... I think it was one of the Bible verses he actually gave me, you know, because it mentioned speaking in tongues. Uh, he's like, well, I mean, you don't actually take the Bible seriously, do you? I mean, <laughs> I mean, you don't take the verse seriously about women speaking in, in church, right? Which is weird because at first he wants me to take the Bible seriously in regards to what he believes tongues is. But he's also trying to convince me to not take the Bible seriously 
in regards to limitations on tongues. Insane, like totally inconsistent, bad. And my answer to him was yes, I do believe that women should keep silent in church in context with the passage. Now, I didn't explain to him all this, but I will explain this to you. And the answer to that is the full, if you read the full verse, it says women should not teach or exercise authority over men. They should be silent. So in regards to teaching and exercising authority over men, uh, you know, and if you want to hear more about this, you might be a egalitarian if you're listening and that's okay. But for I, I'm not going to go deep into the egalitarian complementarian issue. Listen to my episode with Michael Foster a couple episodes back and we talk all about egalitarian and complementarianism. Um, and it's a really good discussion. But I believe what the Bible says. And so what I told this guy was, yeah, I do believe this because the Bible says it. Because I, I want to believe everything the Bible says. You obviously don't. And so the conversation wasn't able to go anywhere. Of course. <laughs> so one of, the, one of the biggest passages for speaking in tongues, and it actually tells us exactly what speaking in tongues is, is 1 Corinthians 14. And so I want to read some passages from the full chapter, which is where the, the verse I read earlier was too. And I want to kind of break it down and explain to you what speaking in tongues really is, how we should be using it today, and how, you know, how, how even spiritual gifts, gifts of the spirit work. So let's get into it. 1 Corinthians 14, starting at verse 1. Paul says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So first, I want to stop here and explain what prophesy means. Prophesy is another word that we might associate with charismatics. We today often think prophesying is something like telling the future. Or it could be God giving us some kind of special message to give to somebody else. Like, I've got a word from the Lord. Whatever. But what the word prophesy means is to proclaim. The word prophesy just means to proclaim. It means to proclaim the truth. So a prophet in the Old Testament who gets a direct message from God and proclaims it is a prophet. Yes. But also... A person who is gifted in proclaiming the truth from the Bible with no special revelation uh, directly to him from God is also a prophet. So the person is prophesying who is preaching the Bible. Your pastor on Sundays is prophesying from the pulpit if he is proclaiming truth, right? So it, it's a lot less miraculous. I mean, in a way, it's it is miraculous that God gives people the gift of this kind of thing, but it's not what we think it is. We, we, you know, it, it is a supernatural thing, but we, I've heard this somewhere. We make it super supernatural and that's inappropriate to do. Prophesying is not a super supernatural thing. It's the gift of proclaiming truth, right? Super simple. So I'm going to replace the word prophesying with proclaiming. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may proclaim the truth, prophesy. Interesting. Okay, maybe that's all, uh, already turning our wheels. 
Maybe that's making us change the way we think about this passage already. Let's continue. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. Now, charismatics would read this passage and they would say, well, so that's what a tongue is. Speaking in tongues is uttering mysteries. And so that's what allows me to say something like, sha-la-la-la, blah, 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 and pretend like it's an actual language that God understands, but the people around me don't because it's mysterious. Ooh, that's not what it is. So just like prophesy has an actual meaning, then uh, the word tongue also has an actual meaning. And what the actual meaning of tongue is, is check this out. Language. Whoa. Whack. Tongue just means language. And so let's read what the word actually means, language, into the passage and see if we can figure out what this means. Now, also, regardless of what you think, you know, what what you've been taught or, or whatever about tongues, if you grew up in the charismatic church like I have or not. Just, you know, remove remove your own preconceptions and read the Bible for what it says. And let's try to figure out what it means. So I'm going to read this again, except I'm going to replace tongues with language because tongues kind of has this mysticism around it. Let's just say languages. Okay, here we go. For one who speaks in a language speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him. But he utters mysteries in the spirit. Now, this kind of sounds like someone entering a church and speaking another language. A tongue is often referred to as, or often another language is referred to as a tongue. And so if we were just trying to honestly interpret this for what it says without trying to put our meaning into the text, we would say, if somebody comes in and they're speaking another language, nobody understands him. Yes, there's nothing mystical or mysterious about it. A person who comes into the church, maybe even if he's speaking some kind of truth or if he knows, you know, if he's taught by good guys uh, and he's trying to speak the truth, but he speaks it in another language, he's not talking to anybody. He speaks not to men, but he speaks to God as if, as in what that means is, Maybe he's trying to speak to men, but only God can understand him. You know, I I think this is like a rhetorical device here. He utters mysteries in the spirit. People don't understand him. This kind of sounds like a bad thing, right? If somebody comes in and is speaking some other language that you can't understand, this is a bad thing. And actually, interestingly enough, this passage goes on and continues referring to this kind of thing as a bad thing. Like, just prepare yourself for this. Paul is saying in this passage not to speak in other languages without an interpreter like I read later. He's saying that's a bad thing to do. That's dangerous. It's not like Paul is saying it's good to say things that God can understand but men men can't, which is the way that charismatics take it. They say, wow, I can speak in a language that men don't understand but God can. That must be a way for me to be super spiritual. But This passage where you're getting this from, guys, is teaching you exactly the opposite if you would just read your Bibles. But, you know, it's pretty hard to read your Bibles when you believe that God can just zap special revelation into your brains out of space. You don't need to read your Bibles at that point. 
But in reality, you do. So let's continue. On the other hand, one who prophesies, proclaims the truth, speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue, another language, builds himself up. But the one who prophesies, who proclaims the truth, builds up the church. So Paul is comparing these two. He's saying it's cool to speak in other languages because, you know, this is the early church. The In Acts, it explains when the disciples uh, at Pentecost preach to tons of different kinds of people. Um, this is another passage where charismatics will get the idea of tongues from and they'll say, well, look, the disciples, they thought they were drunk, whatever. Uh, well, if you were preaching about a guy raising from the dead back then, you would probably think they were drunk too. It had nothing to do with the words that were coming out of their mouth because what the Bible says is that everybody understood them in their own language. So whatever was happening there is actually different than the kind of tongues that this passage is talking about because that definitely was a miraculous thing that was happening with the disciples. But this kind of thing and like proclaiming what this passage refers to as prophecy doesn't seem to be very miraculous at all. We can have spiritual gifts that aren't miraculous. And we'll talk about that later, but let's continue in this passage. Uh, let's skip down to verse 20. Here's what verse 20 says. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. It's like he's criticizing people for speaking all these languages, uh, which is interesting because, you know, that's what charismatics think is totally okay to speak in unknown languages, except what they're doing is even worse because it's nonsense gibberish. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law, it is written by people of strange tongues or languages, by people of strange languages. And not like weird, strange, spooky languages, but when we hear the word strange used like this, what that just means is ones you haven't heard before. By people of strange languages and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Now this passage would be interesting because the Jews would always be delivered the word of God in Hebrew, they were very ethnocentric, whatever. But what Paul is saying here is that the law actually says that the word of God will be given to you from New languages from languages that you Hebrews are not familiar with, like, let's say, English, actual languages like Greek, you know, like real life languages, not gibberish nonsense. Thus, tongues, languages, thus other languages, the gospel being given in other languages are not a sign for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy or proclaiming the truth to people in your own language is a sign not for unbelievers for uh, but for believers if therefore the whole church comes together and speaks in other languages and outsiders or unbelievers enter will they not say that you are out of your minds but if all prophesy or proclaim the truth in an if an unbeliever or outsider enters he is convicted by all He's called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and if so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Interesting. Fascinating. So I think if we read that passage and just replace the word tongue, I mean, and that's an honest thing to do. 
if we replace the word tongue with language and if we replace the word prophesy with proclaim, we we suddenly get a whole different understanding of the passage, unclouded by our own preconceptions that we absolutely are putting into the passage ourselves. Even if you're not charismatic, maybe you've had the question, you know, like I used to for many years, even after I stopped being charismatic, like what what does this really mean? You know, like speaking in, there does seem to be a thing that's called speaking in tongues in the Bible, and it is. It's speaking in other languages. And so that's how I think speaking in tongues still exists today because people speak in other languages. And should we be doing it today? Yes. If you go to some other country and you proclaim the gospel to them, do it in their own language. Hopefully God gives you the gift of speaking in, you know, whatever language you you want to and go to that country and proclaim the gospel to them in that language. It's a spiritual gift. What are some other spiritual gifts? Administration, helping, knowledge, leadership, evangelism, faith, teaching, flying, super strength, laser eyes. Just kidding about those last three. Those aren't real. But all the ones I mentioned, they're not miraculous things. Why do we take these these special ones, prophesy and speaking in tongues, out from the rest of the spiritual gifts, like administration, helping, and turn them into miraculous things? So it's not hard to believe that whatever prophesying or speaking in tongues is, is something that's a lot like all of the other spiritual gifts. There is one spiritual gift, however, that is definitely miraculous and it's the spiritual gift of healing and that one does seem to be set apart uh it doesn't seem to me that the spiritual gift of healing happens anymore i am a cessationist but that isn't to say that god doesn't heal people anymore god is the one doing the healing not the people there's no special i mean i haven't seen a single person who says that they can heal people who actually can verifiably heal people it just doesn't happen but well anyway that's that's another conversation <laughs> uh you don't take your spiritual gifts test in your youth group and say you know what pastor i think i have the spiritual gift of laser eyes because you're not stupid right hopefully so why would we think that, oh, God gives me this gift of speaking this mystical angel language. And that's not even to mention that this isn't even a real language. Every time somebody speaks in tongues, it's totally different. It's whatever they want to say. It's it's like sha-la-la-la-la. And it it is meaningless. It's literally meaningless. They might as well moan. And some people do that. <laughs> but th- that cannot be interpreted. So that isn't a thing. To make random nonsense noises is not a thing. Angels are not up in heaven going sha-la-la-la-la. They're not doing it. I guarantee it. And you have no proof that they are. So whatever you're speaking is not a language of angels. It's a gibberish nonsense language if you're doing what what most of our modern culture calls speaking in tongues today. It is nothing. It is actually, I would say, sinful. Because not only are you 
explicitly doing what the Bible says not to do, speaking in tongues in public without an interpreter, but you're not even speaking in a tongue. You're speaking in nothing. God wants us to love him with our hearts, minds, souls, and strength. God doesn't call us to love us with our hearts and souls and strength, but have a stupid brain. He doesn't do that. So we need to love God with our minds. We need to utilize our minds and we need to pray to him in a way that makes sense. And you know what? Sometimes we don't say things that are perfect. And in, in that case, the spirit also prays for us. In what does it say? In groanings that words can't understand. That's what the spirits do. The spirit does. The spirit prays on behalf of us. Jesus is interceding in heaven on behalf of us too. But we still have a responsibility to pray and do our part in a way that makes sense, in a way that is faithful. And what is not faithful is behaving in a chaotic, nonsense way. That is not faithful. It never has been faithful. You cannot point to any example of a good guy in scripture acting like that. You can point to plenty of examples of bad guys. In fact, a lot of demon-possessed people acted like that, spouted nonsense and acted crazy, flailing around and and acting erratic and chaotic. That's what demon-possessed people do, interestingly enough. Weird. That's what... That's what um that's what happens when God makes people like beasts, you know, to act chaotic and erratic and and act like an animal. That's not how humans act. That's not how the children of God act. And so we need to up our uphold ourselves to the standard of scripture and to the standard that God actually lays out for us and not put our own meaning into scripture which is exactly what we're doing. And, you know, I think a lot of people are not doing this maliciously. I think because we we have this presupposition that has been implanted in us by our culture that tongues has to be this, like the, the definition of tongues is some kind of mystical language. But that's not even what it means. Our presuppositions are wrong. So we need to, like, if we just correct our presuppositions, like, go through the Bible and read all the verses about tongues, but just replace it with language and think, let me pull all my presuppositions out and let me just read this, uh, attempt to read this at a totally base level and say, what does this mean? What what does this look like with the evidence that I have around me instead of, you know, what, what I might have been taught from church? Because Lord knows what we learn in church is often totally the wrong thing. <laughs> If, if you go to most churches in America. So something to think about. Hope that was interesting. Uh, and more to come on Charismania. God bless.